This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We begin again tonight in Hebrews 4. Actually, not again there. We'll go Hebrews 4 and then back to Hebrews 11. But where we've been for, I don't know, several weeks now is in Hebrews 11 with the Faith Hall of Fame. And what you find out that the men and women that are in the Faith Hall of Fame, they were men and women not only of faith but of courage. And what I see over and over, they had courage to, to keep on going, to keep living for God, to keep trusting God. And it's amazing how many of them did that in very difficult situations. But, but they just kept on, and people who understood, this is what God said, and I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to believe on it, regardless of how popular it was. Now, I highlight that because a few weeks ago with Noah, it wasn't popular. But he stood and he stood. And so, again, it's, it's a form of faith and courage. Now, I'm going to start here in Hebrews 4, verse 1. And I'll read through verse 3, and it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. Now, he just said a, a promise remains of entering his rest. I believe part of the way the promise remains to us is I can have rest on the inside of me when I realize this is what God's Word said, and I'm going to rest in it. I'm going to stand on that promise right there. And so there's a promise that still remains of entering his rest. Let us, or let us fear, least any of you seem to have come short of it. So what he's talking about here, the Israelites failed to enter the promised land. There was a promise to them of entering that, but they failed to enter it. They came up short. And so there's a warning to us right here that we can come up short of the promises. Now, if, if you pay close attention right here, even though he promised that, they still came up short of it. So just because God has promised something doesn't mean it's automatically going to take place. Now, let me give you an illustration of that. Has God promised salvation to everybody? Yeah. But if I don't act on that and I don't step out on that promise, I won't get saved. Even though it's God's will, it's a promise. He said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So again, I've got to take that step. What about this? Does God promise every one of us in here that he'll forgive us? He does. But that doesn't just happen automatically. It only happens when we confess our sin. That's 1 John 1, 9. He said that if you'll confess your sin, I'm faithful and just not only to forgive you, but to cleanse you. So again, you begin to see the promises of God. They're there. But again, I can come up short of it if I don't begin to act the way the Scripture tells me. Now, it's getting ready to tell us. Verse 2. For indeed, the gospel, the good news... The word of God was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. The, the mere hearing of the gospel is not enough. Now again, we go back over the months we've been in this. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
And it's interesting, he said, they heard the word, but it did not profit them. Now think about some of those words in there, and this will help you. When I begin to look at this, they preached the gospel to them. Within the gospel or the word of God is the ability to profit. They didn't profit, but it won. God wanted them to profit. And so when we begin to look at that, they heard the word, and they heard the word, and they heard the word. So again, we can hear the word, we can hear the word, and we can hear the word. But if you'll notice in here, even though they heard the word, they didn't profit. Why? Now watch what the scripture says. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Wow. So I can hear it, and I can hear it, and I can hear it. But if I don't mix it with faith, it does me no good. Now let's read a little further and then I'm going to jump in there just real quickly on what it means to receive by faith. So he goes on to say this. For we who have believed do enter that rest as he said. So now we see something. It's the believing ones that enter the rest. The unbelieving Israelites, they never did enter the rest. So he just tells me when the word of God will profit you, you mix it with faith. How did he say they mixed it with faith? They not only heard the word, but they had to come to a place where they say, I believe it. I believe what God said. And when I believe something, I'll stand on what he said, and I'll stand, and I'll stand, and I'll stand. So again, we learn from this right here. Man, i got to get to a place in my life where, man, I believe that, and I believe that. Now, when it comes to believing, think of this in the terms of salvation. How do you get saved? Well, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. So something happens when I begin to get my tongue in line with the Word of God. You start speaking and you start saying about yourself what this book says. In other words, I can have what God says I can have, I can be what God says I can be, and I can do what God says I can do based on the Word of God. So again, when I find Scripture and I begin to get my my tongue and my heart in line with that Scripture, things will begin to happen. Again, I use myself in illustrations over and over how the Word of God really, really, really begin to work on the inside of me. I didn't get born again until I was 20 years old. I I didn't have any any God in me at all. But before long, I, I begin to fall in love with this book. You know, within about a year span, I had got born again, and I went to Bible school. Now, when I got there, I didn't know hardly anything of the Bible. I mean, there was one sense of me, it was embarrassed. They'd say, turn, turn to this book, and man, I, I had these little bitty markers in the front of my Bible where I could sneak up there, and I'd look, and I'd look at a page number. It's okay to do that, okay? If you do that, that's good. Just good you get into the Word. So, so for a year... I begin to have the Word of God dumped on me for five hours a day. Every day, Monday through Friday. And so I begin to fall in love with the Word of God. And there were things in the Word of God that I would begin to say, God said that. And if God said it, then I'm just going to go ahead and step out there and believe it. Well, things really begin to come in line to me when not only did I see it, but I started speaking it. Not what I said, but what God said. 
And so anytime you can find Scripture, you start speaking that, and I will tell you, it'll begin to move in your life. It'll begin to move in your heart. Speak the Word of God over your life. All right, that was free. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, as we get in here today in the Faith Hall of Fame, we're going to read verses about 23 through 27. This is one of the longest descriptions of any of them in the Faith Hall of Fame. This is about uh, Moses. And so I'm not going to get to the whole life of Moses tonight. Actually, it's probably going to take me three sessions to do it, but we'll get going here. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was beautiful or a healthy child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, you may say, okay, what does all that mean? Well, understand this, that the king's command, that was the pharaoh. That was the king of Egypt. And he had a bunch of astrologers, and they had gone to him, and they said, listen, king, there's going to be a, a, a savior of the Jews that's going to be born. And he said, he's going to get all the Jews back on the right track. So you know what you ought to do? Kill all the firstborn. Kill every one of them. And so when you look at the very first thing you see here, is Moses' parents were incredible. It said there in the last part, they were not of the afraid of the king's command. They didn't get in fear of what the king said. And so God called their decision faith. And here's what's crazy about Moses' parents. The story of Moses' faith begins with the faith of his parents. His dad was a man named Amram. His mother's name was Jochebed. And guess what took place with them? They said, we're not going to allow our, our son to be killed by that ungodly king. So they made a choice or decision based on faith. And guess what they said? We're going to trust God. We're going to believe that God's going to protect that little boy. And you know how they did it? They put him in a little basket and they put him on the Nile River and they believed God's going to order his steps. God's going to take care of our most prized possession. You're talking about faith. I'm telling you, they stepped out by faith and they believed God. Now here's part of the story that I really love. When you live by faith as moms and dads, your children will get a hold of that, okay? I believe it's important that you teach your children the things of God and you say, and I'm going to tell you, this is what used to happen and this is what we did and this is how God moved. I believe part of, of Moses' DNA was from his mom and daddy and they were people of faith. So his mom and dad, they step out by faith and we see this immediately. And he goes on to say, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about these. We're going to keep reading. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Esteeming the reproach or the reviling because of Christ, greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked away from the wealth of the world's systems. So now we begin to see some things here with this guy named Moses. And as you read here, God called Moses' choices in his decisions faith. 
And so we go back to verse number 24. And it says, By faith Moses, when he became of the age, he refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. So what ultimately happens here in this situation? He stands up and he says, I'm not a Pharaoh. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. Now to read inside this a little bit to really help us here, understand this. If he would have lived as a Pharaoh, he would have lived in the greatest palaces. He would have had riches. He would have had fame. He would have never lacked for anything. But instead of living that way, he said, I identify my life as a Hebrew. So he exchanged the palace's wardrobe for a slave's wardrobe. Now oftentimes we, we miss going over that and, and you begin to see he had life's greatest. So as I read this story now, I've told us every time we go here, put yourself in this story, okay? What would you do if you had all the riches, the fame, everything you would need for the rest of your life. You had the best looking camels and donkeys and for our modern translation, you would stroll up in the nicest vehicle. You had the greatest clothes. You, you had coach purses. And he said, uh-uh, no. I would rather have the things of God than that. Now put yourself in that position. Where would you be right now? Again, you begin to see the courage, the faith of this guy to say, uh-uh, I'm going to trade everything I have. I don't want to be known as a child of the Pharaoh. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And so again, he gave up everything for the Lord. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, now watch this statement. He endured or he kept on seeing him who is invisible. You know what he knew? There's a God that I choose to serve. Even though I've never seen him, there's a God that I believe in. And I would rather look and search and live for that God that I've ever seen than live as an Egyptian. And so now we begin to see... And this guy had great, great courage and faith. And one of the ways courage and faith is expressed, it's not, just a, it's not just expressed in my words, it's expressed in my actions. And so he wasn't just a talker. He wasn't just saying that. You know what he does? He leaves the palace. He leaves having that great pill and that great mattress. He left it all. 
Now turn with me back into the Old Testament to the book of, of Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Genesis, then Exodus. And we're going to pick up here, and you're going to begin to see, man, how God moved in this guy's life. Exodus 2, verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Most believe at this time in his life, he's 40 years old. That he went out to his brethren. The Hebrews, the Jews. You know what that looked like for me and you? That looked like the saints. He went out to be with the saints. Okay? And he looked at their burdens. Now think about this, guys. This is this guy who's coming out of having this luxurious life. And he sees their burdens. He sees all the junk they're having to go through. Now guess what? It bothered him. It bothered him that the brethren were going through things. Let me ask you something. Does it bother you when brethren are going through ugly stuff? Man, it should bother us. And so it goes on to say, And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and he looked that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Woo, it bothered him that much. So you know what he does? He avenges his brethren. And you know where he makes the mistake here immediately? He takes matters into his own hands. See, there's ways to do it, and then there's God ways. And so he does this, and it wasn't good when he does it, because verse number 13 says, And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Uh-oh. It's gotten out that I've killed this guy. Verse 15. And when the Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of the Pharaoh, and he dwelt in the land of Midian. Now you got to understand this. When this begins to take place, he runs to this land called Midian. Midian is a desert. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And so literally now, this guy who had been in the palace, he becomes a stranger in a strange land. He goes where he knows no one. And not only does he go there, remember this now, he's a fugitive. He's on the run. But you'll see his courage and you're going to see his faith as it takes place. Go to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Now God had a plan in this. And here's what happens with every one of us. God can get you out of Egypt quicker than he can get Egypt out of you. What did he say, Martha? God can get you out of Egypt quicker than he can get Egypt out of you. What do I mean by that? Well, oftentimes in our life, we all have this thought, 
if I just move to Dallas, everything would be wonderful. If I just move to a new house, everything would be wonderful. Well, all that does is that exchanges your physical place, your physical home, your physical uh, city you live in, but you still got the same problems. And so God moves him out of there, and the reason God moves him out of there is he's got to get Egypt out of him. And the way we get Egypt out of us, this is Romans 12 too, I'm not going to have you turn there. Don't be transformed by this world, but be, don't, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. The only way me and you get the world out of us is I got to renew my mind to the Word of God. You know what that means? I got to get into the Word, and then I begin to think in line with the Word of God, and I begin to speak in line with the Word of God, and I begin to recite the Word of God. And so this is what God's doing. And, and when you're in those meeting experiences out in the, in the wilderness and the desert, those are the times God will mold you. God will start shaping you. And you know why God does that? Because he got big plans for you. And when we go through those seasons of meeting, you don't like them. You don't appreciate them. But 20 or 30 years later, when you look back, you say, thank God God had me in the oven. Do you know what God does to us? He puts us in the oven and then he'll pull us out. He say, you're not done. I'm going to put you back in. You got to cook a little more. Enjoy the season of the life you're in, okay? I hear people saying this. Man, I wish I could retire already. Well, you're 36. You're wishing your life away. Yeah, but I know people that retire, they can play golf all day. Don't do that. Enjoy where you're at. If you're in your 20s, enjoy where you're at. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you've got a bunch of little blessings running around and you say, I can't wait for the day till they get in school, I'm going to tell you right now, enjoy where you're at. Why? Because they go from this to this, just like this. Hang, Pastor, that's prophetic. Telling you life is a vapor. And it's a season. And every season you're in, God will grace you. And every season is just another window of opportunity. Now, this is the sad fact. At my age of 38, I wish I could go back. There's times, I, there's times I regret the things that I did or didn't do, but I can't. So I cheerlead you guys on. You young ones, bless you, bless you. Keep serving God. Now, how do we get on that? We've got to go to Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. I didn't add this. In this meantime, he gets married. He marries a woman named Zipporah. He called her Zip. I'm just, that's not true. I'm just, he had a son named Gershom in that. So he, he's tending flock with Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Oreb, the mountain of God. Now when you're in the back of the desert, there ain't no one out there. It's just you and God. And so he, he's gone from these uh, garments of the royal palace and now he's a shepherd. And so you know what God's saying? God's saying, you know what? If you learn to tend the sheep, sheep are a lot like people. 
The only difference between sheep and people is sheep can't talk back. Sheep don't complain. Some of you say, you know what, I ought to be a shepherd. So God's teaching him. Teaching him. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now, do you think that's an attention getter? Sitting there looking at this bush, and it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Let me help you with that. Here in West Texas, we have these things called tumbleweeds. These massive tumbleweeds, huge, you know what I'm talking about. Now just think, you're driving down the road one day, and this massive tumbleweed is coming across the highway, and you got to stop, and you look, and this tumbleweed is on fire, but it's not being consumed. What do you think you'd do? Man, it's an attention getter. And so this is what's going on in his life. God grabs his attention, and i got to hurry. Verse number 4. Three, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Here I am. I'm willing and I'm ready. Keep reading. Verse number five. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. That was a form of respect in the Jewish culture. Then he said, for the place where you stand is holy ground. The ground becomes holy because of God's visitation. You get in the presence of the Lord, the ground will become holy. You come down to these altars, you start, the ground becomes holy. Because where the Lord is, it's his presence, it's visitation. And so he gets into the presence of the Lord right here. Verse 6, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, jump with me to verse 10 for time's sake. Come now, an urgency. Therefore, and I will send you to the Pharaoh, that you may bring the people or the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now watch where the courage and the faith comes back in. God said, I'm going to send you the Pharaoh. Time out, God. I'm on all his wanted posters. There's a bounty out for my head with him. I'm a fugitive. I'm on the run. And you're telling me to go back? And you're telling me to lead the people out? Keep reading. This gets better. But Moses said to God in his response, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out? And so now he's been getting to question God. So for seven days, Moses tells God why it shouldn't be him. I'm inadequate. God, have you read my resume? See, how many times have we done that? We said, God, you got the wrong guy. Watch God's response to him here in verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I've sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt, and you shall serve God on this mountain. And so God God begins to tell him, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. 
Now I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. And this is, this is out of a, an amplified translation. It says, my grace is all you'll need. My power works best in weakness. I believe one of the greatest prayers we can say anytime, Father God, grace me. Grace me. Grace me at my job. Grace me, Father God, to fulfill your calling. Grace me today to be a great parent. Grace me. And he said, my strength will be its greatest on display in your weakness. Now, for time's sake, this is what I'm going to end with. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 4. Verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. In other words, God, how are you going to use me? I stutter. My speech is not eloquent. I butcher the English language. I speak in swanics. I know that. See, again, most of the time, we begin to tell God why he can't use us, but the problem we forget is God created us. And God's never going to set us up to fail. And so he goes on to say in verse 11, So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall say. So guess where the courage and the faith has to come in now? God said go. If you don't go, he can't speak through you. He can't live through you. He can't do the thing. And so Moses is looking and saying, but you got the wrong guy. And God said, go, go. And I believe he says that to every one of us. Go. You want to see God move in your life? Go. But pastor, you don't understand. Go. Keep reading. Verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Now, if I had time, I would take you to Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. And in that passage, God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. You know what else he says in verse 6? He says, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the weak say I'm strong. Something begins to happen when I trust the word of God. Now where we got to get this settled on the inside of us is to say, Father God, I thank you. Lord, I know you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And then I begin to say, Lord, I thank you. I think I'm strong in you. I can do all things to you. See, there's been many days in my life I've played tug of war with God. I've told God every reason why he can't use me. You know what God says? I'll help you. I'll grace you. I'll strengthen you. So we begin to look at his life. The definition of faith tonight is you're going to have to have courage. Courage in your decision making and courage in your choices. And let your, your courage in your decision making be based off the word of God. Where you find it again and you say, Lord, this is what you said. This is what you said. Now I'm going to end with this little thought here. There was a lady years ago that I got around several times. When she died, she died at 104. Her mind was sound. 
It was quick. And I asked her one day, I said, if you had to live this life all over again, would you do anything different? And she said, yeah, I'd do one thing different. I said, what's that? And she said, I'd take a lot more risks. And I said, explain that word to me, what you just said. And she said, I would walk by faith in areas in my life. And I said, kind of like getting out of the boat and walking on the water. And she said, that's exactly it. She said, I'm going to tell you right now, don't live with regrets. Get out of the boat and walk on the water. And so there's oftentimes in my decision making when things are really, really, really squeezing you and difficult and everything in the natural says don't do it, but in your heart you sense God saying doing it. It's God saying walk on the water. Remember when Peter walked on the water? Who invited him to walk on the water? Not the lifeguard. Jesus said, come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. Remember what God said to Moses? Go. Come on. Come on. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.